0: All right, so Michigan fan. What's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what? what I mean, are you, do you do you watch sports much? Mm-hmm. Okay. What for, at, at the collegiate level are you are you a Michigan fan or do you have any allegiance at all whatsoever to Florida or?
1: Um, if it's one, it's like one and two. So Michigan okay. is number one. Yeah. I'm gonna root for Florida, but if okay. I had to pick between the two of them, it'd be Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right.
0: Um that's fair. Having a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. Some interesting conversation going on right now about the whole sig- signal know. gate or whatever, know you know what what whatever they call about. it. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> um not not, not the noise Nothing? fake news. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Oh okay. okay. Yeah. You have a big game coming up. <laughs> yes. Uh, not necessarily this weekend. At the time of this recording, I'm not sure when this will get released, but uh do you, do you partake in watching the Michigan Ohio State game every
1: Absolutely. year? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if do you a big have deal. any Ohio State friends that you have? I do. I with?
1: went to high school in Ohio. So okay. a bunch of my friends went to Ohio State. I haven't spoken with them since. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice.
2: Former friends. Exactly. Former friends. Right. But right. yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I see yeah. them on Facebook. And yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. We All went. right. Cool. <laughs> well, that, that'll be a good segue. Let's lead into the intro and then go from there. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. All right. on. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Summits Podcast. Thank all you guys for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're joining us on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. All right, folks, get your mental caps on. We've got a uh, great guest today, Dr. Natalie Dottillo. Natalie, welcome to the, the Summits Podcast.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, Why don't you uh, give us a little background on yourself?
1: I love this question. (laughs) My anxiety (laughs) like shoots through the roof. Uh, Well, I am a psychologist, trained as a clinical and health psychologist. Um, I've been in practice for about 14 years, primarily just academic practice, which means I've been working in departments of psychiatry, first at IU Mm -hmm. and now at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Yeah. And I've been doing that, I said, for about 14 years, off and on with some private practice thrown in, some consulting thrown in. Um, I, I, I like to do a little bit of everything, so I try to keep busy. Um, lately, what I've been doing is speaking about mental health, I'm a mental health advocate. I like to educate, and so any opportunity that I have to talk about mental health issues and sort of sp- like spread that information, I'm gonna take it.
2: Yeah. Have you done any um, interesting or unique speaking engagements by doing that through education or anything like that?
1: I speak to the media quite a bit, which I enjoy. I've been doing that for about 10 years. Yeah, Yeah, right? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So I get. Um, requests for comment on all sorts of topics related to mental health, whether that's mental health research or treatment. And I, I, so I, I love speaking with journalists. I was a local spokesperson for the American Psychological Association for a period of time. So a lot of those media requests would come to me and I would mm-hmm. field them. And I would—I <laughs> I used to drive around in my car with like a blazer. So I would look very official, <laughs> like a moment's notice. I could just set myself up for an on-the-spot interview. And I think that Came in handy once, yeah. uh, but I really wanted to be prepared. Yeah, but <laughs> that yeah. one time was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. nailed it. That one time made it worth all the
2: times that it sat in the back of your car, right?
1: It's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing live broadcast interviews was it, like, that was just a trip. A couple of times I've done that. Since COVID, it's been all like by Zoom. Okay. And there was one time uh, where I did a Zoom interview, and I think it was with Good Morning America, and I can't remember. I should remember that but the screen was blank. Like I could only hear okay. the broadcaster, the producer in the background, and they're like, and there was a question asked, but I didn't know it was being asked to me because I couldn't see the interview or I couldn't mm, see the, okay. um, the anchor. Yeah. And, uh, and I just sat there. <laughs> it was like <laughs> dead air. <laughs> they fixed it for the West Coast yeah. <laughs> like broadcast, but they're like, that's you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like Hello,
2: mortified. Mueller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, wow, she's really just, thinking <laughs> about this question. I didn't realize it was so high, heavy hitting. <laughs> Where did we get her from? <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> well, that's cool.
0: Um, we in some prior conversation, we were talking about growing up. You've moved around a bit, mm-hmm. mostly in the Midwest. Grew up in Ohio. Um, spent some time in Michigan. Mm-hmm. University of Michigan grad. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. Wolverines. Um, did I just say that? Go Blue. You did. You did go, just go say that. That's mm-hmm. probably more
1: appropriate. Yeah.
0: Um, Then what, so you went to Florida then for? Mm -hmm. Graduate school. Graduate school. I was
1: in Gainesville for, well, I lived in Florida off and on for about eight years. So I was in there, uh, I was in Gainesville and then Tampa for a bit where I worked and did some consulting work for a company down there called Navigant Consulting. Um, I have, I got two master's degrees along the way and this is not because I'm trying to like, no, 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 no. (laughs) My path was just not a very straight line. So I started in grad school for psychology and then I got really interested in public, like mental, um, health policy, Mm -hmm. health research, health services administration and I wanted to Really study that more. So I got a master's degree in health services administration. Okay. Along the way, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, maybe I'll just use that. Maybe I'll just go work in health policy and health services research. And I got a degree, um, I got a job with a company that did healthcare litigation consulting, and it was a great job. It was mostly just um, um, doing data analysis, okay. but I worked for lawyers who represented insurance companies who were trying to get out of paying part of their <laughs> contract right. with, yeah. the, with the hospitals or the providers. And uh-huh. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> like, hmm. that, I was like, yeah. maybe this isn't my calling. Yeah. Yeah. And I decided at that point I really did want to finish my degree in psychology. So I went back, finished my dissertation, and I've never looked back. Nice.
0: At what point, or maybe that was the point, but at what point did you say, OK, I want to work with patients directly versus the admin side?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Um, I've always really liked working with with patients, with people. When people ask me, why did you get into psychology? I, I like to tell them it's because I like helping people, which is true. It's mm-hmm. very true. But really, I was just very curious about people. I wanted to n- understand better why people do what they do and yeah. better understand behavior. And then, you know, and I wasn't always sure that I was going to be a clinical psychologist. And then really enjoyed also working with people who were struggling mm-hmm. to help them feel better, get better. And then I also enjoy working with people who are doing quite well and also want to do better. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, good segue. We could probably go the two different paths. One path would be maybe a different podcast, but um <laughs> the path about folks struggling. So mm-hmm. as it relates to cancer, uh, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. Um that the, a cancer diagnosis affects people mentally, not just yes. physically. Yeah. Um, let's touch on that a little bit. You've spent some time working with with cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kinds of things did you notice, and what kind of kinds of things did you uh, work on with cancer patients to perhaps mm-hmm. try to help them with the whole um, their mental capacities?
1: So, I was a psycho oncologist uh, at IU the Simon Cancer Center for a period of time when I was um, working in Indy full time and would work with patients who were newly diagnosed, so they had just received their diagnosis, or they were in treatment or post-treatment. And all those different phases um, can affect a person differently. Mm-hmm. And so, but there is a, there's a lot of distress because there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of unknown, there's a lot of anxiety uh, associated with receiving the diagnosis, going through the treatment, which can be mm-hmm. you know, very unpleasant. Okay. And then after that's over, you might not think there would be as much anxiety because whew, we made it, mm-hmm. but there is. In fact, I think sometimes there's more. Um, and I think we had mentioned that, you know, any little thing that you notice in your body becomes very, very, very focused on it yeah. and begin worrying and wondering and what ifing. ing mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talking through those fears, those anxieties, trying to you know, come up with tools and strategies for managing that, because it is important how you're functioning mentally is going to affect how you're functioning physically mm-hmm. and how well you're tolerating the treatment, how well the treatment is working and how optimistic you feel about you know the future. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Are there any recommendations you would give for someone going through mm-hmm. uh, cancer now going through treatments um, probably going through various highs and lows uh, from a mental standpoint any any advice you might provide to them and or maybe the, the caregivers who are working directly with them to mm-hmm. help work on the attitude piece
1: hmm well one of the um, you know techniques that we use uh, comes from a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy or act And what that therapy teaches us is that acceptance is a really key part of this process for maintaining mental well-being and an optimistic outlook. And I'll say a little bit more about how those go together. And we really have a misunderstanding in the word itself. It's the first thing we need to um, clarify, which is an acceptance of something is not a giving up or a giving in or a resignation to, like, What is happening? It's a willingness to tolerate it. It's a willingness to have it be this way for a period of time Mm -hmm. because it is. And so there's this acknowledgement of the reality of the situation, which is a really important part of... mm, anti-denialism like we don't want to like live in denial that this is happening because you need right. to participate in the treatment participate in the treatment planning and mm-hmm. so this is also where caregivers can be helpful in sort of saying okay this is what it is and this is how we're going to deal with it yeah um, without feeling like you you know there's there's fight in that too you can have both you can you can at the same time accept the reality of a situation that's unpleasant and unwanted uh, and continue to fight for your, in the future, mm-hmm. fight for your health, um, fight for your loved ones. You can have both of those at the same time and reminding people of what's important. Like, yeah. why go through it? Why put yourself through that You know unpleasantness when it comes to the treatment itself, which I know for many people is worse than the actual you know, disease. Right. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that? Well, because what's on the other side of that is important and to not lose sight of that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it's part of, we talk about attitude a lot in terms mm-hmm. of when we're going out and talking to not just cancer patients, but just kind of spreading the word about what we do and our mission. Um, I guess that kind of, in a way circles back to this time of year. And, and yeah, we, uh, talked about this. You did a, a study that involved, um, generosity and, and how <clears throat> the human nature that invo- uh, evolves from that fourth quarter for us is big and setting up mm-hmm. the next year, uh, mm-hmm. as a foundation, um, partnering with corporations, partnering with individuals, individual giving obviously is big t- big this time of year. Um, talk to us a little bit about the generosity piece, the study that you've done and, and mm-hmm. what kind of what what you uncovered with, through that.
1: Okay, I'm going to set the record Straight. <laughs> it's not my study. Okay. Okay, go. <laughs> I okay. didn't do the research. I read the research and I'm going to um, like translate the research okay. as best I can, as mm-hmm. best as I understand sure. it. Yeah. But uh, and there's more than there's actually multiple studies now <clears throat> looking at the the role of generosity or the impact of generosity. And what we know based on some of these studies is that a generosity is a mindset or an attitude. So speaking of that, mm-hmm. there's intentionality behind it. So it's a purposefulness or a choice that I'm making to do this. It's not sort of accidental, or if it just happens, like there's to really call, like really uh, achieve the benefits of giving, it has to feel like it's sort of a choice that you're making in a very intentional, purposeful and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important. We also know that it feels good it actually feels good. It actually lights up the parts of the brain that are associated with reward. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I don't know. I, I read somewhere that it's the same, um, the same as sort of doing like drugs. Like it lights up that <laughs> same part of the brain. I'm, like, I'm not sure if it's exactly yeah. that good, but, yeah. but it's, but it's, uh, you know, it's the same part of the yeah. brain. So okay, so it yeah. lights up those reward pathways, which is interesting because it makes this case for an evolutionary advantage. For pro-social behavior. So what does that mean? It means that like we are hardwired for this mm-hmm. and probably for a really good reason that our ancestors needed to be generous with one another or um, be pro social as opposed to antisocial. Like there's a re- there's a reason that we're social creatures and there's a reason why giving is so important mm-hmm. for our for as an evolutionary advantage. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And then it's also really good for your physical health, your mental health. It's associated with like like longevity, um, better immune system response. It's associated with greater like life satisfaction, less stress. People who um, give tend to be also very optimistic and happier, they report higher levels of happiness. There's a bit of a chicken and an egg uh, situation there, which is, is it the giving that makes me feel those things? Or do I already kind of feel those things and that makes me give? And it's probably a combination of both of those.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think to clarify, this isn't just giving financially. There's mm-hmm. other ways of giving. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to talk about this as well. Like you know, we, we mentioned earlier, we have events throughout the year. Yep. Well, those events just don't happen on their own without human bodies there yeah. volunteering yep. um the the impact that volunteers make of their time um and manpowers Ooh. is huge yeah and we have a couple of events that require several volunteers yep. without those
2: volunteers there's no event i think team joey specifically one of those ones that i yep. think anyone that you talk to that participates in those lego givings to the kids at paint Main children's hospital just come out of it just like a, you know, just a, it's a yeah. different experience, and you're there helping, seeing the faces, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, I talk yeah.
1: to people; they're, they're like, I, "I feel selfish. Like it feels selfish because this yeah. feels so good for me to have given yeah. of you know of myself for this." But absolutely, it isn't not just money. In fact, in many ways, I think it's beyond money that really makes the most impact mm-hmm. on a person. Which is yes, volunteering your time, mm-hmm. um, your body, your mm-hmm. energy, which you yeah. know for many of us is is limited.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, speaking to the, the mental aspect of this, you, that example is perfect because we talk about, um, we have a pediatric component that he mentioned, which is called team Joey mm-hmm. and encourage people who have not been to go on a Lego give because yeah. some people have, have a, have an issue with seeing sick kids and that's, that's fine. You know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, um, whatever floats or boat that, that doesn't, that's something that they, they don't want to do. That's fine. But, um, I try to encourage people to do this because when you go in and you see how it light brightens up their day, not yeah. just the child, but maybe the family that's sitting there. Mm-hmm. one one example that really stands out. This this kid we had would usually take characters with us. Mm-hmm. So some of us have put on costumes of what whatever. Yes. And it just happened to be I don't know if there was a minion movie out or something, but we had a minion character with us. Walking around, we walk in this room, and the little the 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 child that's in the bed has like a minion T-shirt on and one of those like uh, minion goggles, Uh and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Literally, when that minion character walked in, everything changed. The Mm -hmm. kid just was like, oh my god, and you know, put the goggles on, like that picture we've used a lot. If you're an you know innocent bystander, if you will, it's a volunteer just kind of going around handing out the Legos, but you see that Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't Make you feel good or mm-hmm. inspire you to continue doing this? Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't what will. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a pretty cool moment. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, well, Nellie, you kind of went into this a little bit, but what, what is your cancer story?
1: Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> the cancer stories that I remember and that have left an impact on me are the patients that I worked with when I had the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also worked off and on with um, both providers and patients at Dana Farber. Cancer Institute, Um, it's affiliated with the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. And um, their stories, uh, and all the stories are just like, fascinating, but also unique and special in their own way. And, and uh, you're right, sometimes it is hard to sit with somebody who is uh, sick. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to not then sort of think about yourself. And, you know, how fortunate you are uh, to not be going through that at that point in time. But then all of a sudden you're like, it's not about me or where I am. It's me being fully, you know, present with Mm -hmm. this person Um, and giving of, you know, my my time, my attention and my skill Mm -hmm. uh, to them and to assist them um, in this process or their journey. Yeah. Yeah it's really just very impactful and honestly sometimes those are the most uplifting conversations mm-hmm. which may seem like counterintuitive but some of the most uplifting conversations that i've had with people are those that are going through their cancer journey
2: yeah have you you know reflecting on that versus what you're doing now do you see a difference in um Someone's mentality going through cancer versus a normal patient or mm-hmm. someone who's come to you had you know cancer in the past and then now is coming back for other reasons or anything.
1: It definitely becomes a part of um, you know their story as a person, mm-hmm. um what they've gone through and how they've incorporated that in sometimes way, and sometimes like as a part of their identity. Like this is a part of who I am now. Mm -hmm. And that can be both like a good thing and then sometimes just a not so good thing if it becomes like an over-identified part of a person. So this is, you know, this is mostly me, which, you know, it's not, it's a part of you, it's a part of your story and it's a part of your experience, but there's so many other parts Mm -hmm. to a person, so many other aspects or facets to a person's life that are outside of that. And I think it can, I've seen this happen where people become overly identified with their diagnosis and forget that there are parts of them that are separate from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this happens with folks who have all sorts of different chronic conditions or chronic illnesses, including um, psychiatric diagnoses as well. And I've, there's some some similarities there Mm -hmm. between how much people um, identify with their diagnosis and In some ways that can make treatment a little bit more difficult, um, because it's a part of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm curious how many people have that same, um, I'm gonna say issue, not just during treatment, but beyond,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. um, five years, 10 years out. Are they still living with some sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna call it mental block, um, about having gone through this experience, whether it's survivor's guilt right. or whatever, right. um, that they might need, to, might, might need some help with.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think there's something to be said for claiming a cancer survivorship. Uh, of course, I think that's huge but I would want for somebody to consider all the other aspects of like who they are and the other roles that they play and the relationships that they have in their life. And this is one, this is an important one. Um, And, but also consider the ways in which um, your life has been shaped in positive ways because of the experience. It's that it's not only, it doesn't only have to have been a negative experience. In fact, that's what we, that's what resilience is. That's mm-hmm. the kind of teaching and training that we do to make it matter. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is something that you have to go through or you had to go through for whatever reason, make it matter. Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with that now? Yeah, Make, you know, let's, this is where we give it meaning. This is where, you know, if, the, if and there's often the process of, grieving mm-hmm. that goes along with this, with receiving the diagnosis and then coming out on the other side, the things that you've lost, the health uh, or the, you know, the, the goals that you had. and it's, it's adjusting your mindset from the things that you have lost to the things that you have gained. Mm-hmm. And there's always, there, there's sometimes they're a little bit harder to see, but they're always there.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Um. Any parting words of wisdom?
1: Well, I, you know, I think about health um, in a very holistic way. So mental health, physical health, social health, spiritual health, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. So anything that you are doing to take care of your physical health is going to improve your mental health. Anything that you might be doing to improve your mental health is going to impact your physical health, whether that's generosity, whether that's the practice of um, uh, compassion or gratitude, mm-hmm. um, all the things that we know facilitate flourishing in a person's life, um, and anything that we're doing in the pursuit of happiness is going to impact your body physically and your relationships socially. Mm-hmm. So it's all connected. Yeah. So pick a point. Of, and start anywhere. Yeah. And uh, and then you'll see.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well said. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank
1: you so much for inviting me. It was great to speak with you.
0: Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. And thank all you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Summits Podcast. Thank you for joining in uh, from wherever you get Your podcast, or if you're tuning in on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. By the way, if you are on YouTube, haven't hit that subscribe button, please click it won't cost you a dime it'll make you feel really good i promise (laughs) and then hit that notification bell icon so you can be alerted when new episodes like this one drop also and then hit, hit those endorphins and gets you excited for the new episode all right guys thanks a lot and don't forget beat cancer